In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. Welcome to the Man Card Podcast and our mission to build an army of men in the arena who are becoming the best version of themselves in changing their world. Males are born. Men are made. We're going to separate the men from the boys. A man is as a man does. We want to help you to become the best version of you. Theodore Roosevelt spoke about this rare breed saying the credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood. That's awesome. The man card belongs to those protecting integrity, fighting apathy, pursuing God passionately, leading courageously, and finishing strong. A man is as a man does. Enjoy today's episode. To the men in the arena, we, we salute, salute you. you. Guys, we honor you for getting it done in the stress bubble of life. Guys, we are in this arena together. You have chosen to jump into the fray, listen to this podcast. You have got out of the anonymous crowd, and you are in the game. So thank you, guys, and thanks for listening to this episode of the Man Card Podcast. Today, we are all about calling you in to engage with those you love in the stress bubble of life, calling you out of everything, hindering you from being the best version of you, calling you up to change the world you live. I'm Jim Ramos. I'm here with our producer, co-host, and my good friend, Dale Culver. How you doing, my man? I'm doing, I'm feeling encouraged today. So Are you? I'm you. trying to encourage 10,000 yeah, times. You're doing a so wonderful job you're of so encouraging handsome. me. You're such a great guy. I couldn't do this without you. Oh, thanks. So I just got three there. I wouldn't do it without 10, you. No. Well, I have once, but other than that, you know, I wouldn't. Oh, I listened to that podcast. That was yeah, not Joe bad. Castaneda. There's another encouragement. Thank you. It wasn't bad. Could have said that was good. I don't know if that counts. It was good. It was good. No, it was good. I, I enjoyed it. No, it was hard listening to it with me not being there. Yeah, the whole but, time there was a little jealousy. You going were a little on. nervous at the beginning, but you you got better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. It was it was good. You've got a better radio voice than I do, mm-hmm. but you also have a better radio face than I do. Yeah, thanks I'm, for that. I'm more That's handsome. One. I'm more handsome than you minus are. Minus so. one for Jimmy. Dang it. I got deducted, <laughs> but you're more handsome than most. There you go. I got it back. You're not yeah. as ugly as some you're not as know. ugly as your face looks. Like. That's like, a, yeah, I'm not as dumb as I look. Yeah, you're not. <laughs> I know. Mm. I'm dumber. Okay. Hey, what's your man word for today, buddy? Learner. Oh, you stole that from me earlier today. Did I? I think you did. But I, I want to encourage you. you so, earlier. No, you would never steal. I was playing Angry Birds. Well, I, don't, I don't even know what that is because I'm not in middle school anymore. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. I saw a commercial once when we had TV. Okay, so so you're so ago. learner. So why is that your man word? 
Well, a man is. I should have guessed uh, that. I, you should have. I forgot to do yeah, that. Yeah, I was inspired by our guest. He's finishing up some schooling. And, yep, he's uh, a learner. And uh, you are a guy who reads a ton. You you challenge most yeah. men in reading, and so uh, you know you don't you don't just uh, someday just okay I'm done I don't have to learn anymore. We're constantly needing to learn. You know what's interesting, bro? I'm reading uh, Abraham Lincoln's uh, autobiography that I picked up. Your with cousin? You, you were with me, my cousin. I picked yeah. up with you with yeah. the museum in that Springfield, Illinois. And, uh, you know, he had a real chip on his shoulder about learning because he never received education after he was about 15 years old. It was a very, very limited education. And then I just listened to a podcast on the uh, Brett, uh, Brett McKay's uh, podcast about man. I can't remember what it's called. Um Anyway, but they interviewed a woman who wrote a biography of George George Washington, and he too had a chip on his shoulder because he didn't feel like he was good enough. He had no formal education, mm-hmm. and I guess I'm kind of like that as well. I feel like, okay, I've got a bachelor's degree, I've got I got a couple other degrees beyond uh, my bachelor's degree, but the bottom line is there are a lot of guys out there smarter than me, and I recognize that, and my I acknowledge that, and so my response to that all my life has been to educate myself. And to become a, an expert in the field of leadership and different things like this, and so um, I think a leader is a learner, right? And I think as a man, you are called to lead your household. Now we know that women lead the home. I don't care about my wife is in charge of the home. If it was not that way, I would live in a log cabin. I would never put the toilet seat down. But when it comes to the household, I'm the guy. And so, no, I appreciate that, man. Hey, before we get into the podcast, our guests, our our guests today, I want to share a couple announcements again. The uh, Man Card Weekend is coming up here in a couple weeks. Uh, But I have, I don't know where the signups are. I'm sure we're getting it packed up pretty good. But men, you know, are last minute. And so, I want to encourage you guys to come to that. We've got four great local speakers. We've got a Man Academy to teach you some uh, cool things about manhood. We got a lot of stuff going on, guys. Uh, And you can pick up the unveiled brand new copy of my book, The Man Card, Five Characteristics Separating Men from the Boys, at that event, and it will not be available until July when we have our book launch party, but come and pick that up. You can get a signed copy from me, and also, if you have not done this, guys, you need to join the Men in the Arena Closed Facebook Forum. We want to see 30,000 guys on that ASAP. So add your buddies, get involved in that. It's a it's a closed dialogue where women are not welcome to be there, and it's a dialogue between men about manhood. We've thrown out politics, religion, all these things. We just are talking to men about what it means to be a man, and we're finding men have tons of questions out there. So anyway, hey, I'm excited today, man. Uh, we got our, our good buddy, our new friend, Josh Zarzana, on the uh, at the podcast, uh, wrote a book here recently, and I actually have just just finished it yesterday. So, uh, Josh, uh, how you doing, man? I'm excited. I, I love being here. All I right. feel like I'm with brothers. Brothers from other mothers. Oh, Bro- yeah. Yes. Much older brothers. Much Yeah, he's much, our little brother. Much thicker brothers. Yeah. yeah. What do you weigh? What do you weigh? 172? Oh, man. come on! I know I'm close, aren't I? I'm great at guessing. Not, it's it's not a gift. Even clo- it must be the clothes I'm wearing. Are you yeah, like in the 160s? Like stockier. Oh, you got to go lower still. Whoa! No, come on! How I, tall I are you? I kid you not. Five ten. One fifty. One fifty four. Holy cow! You're I'm two wow. of you. I was, I was in middle school. I'm, actually, I'm hundred pounds more. Than you. <laughs> no, you said it, Jim. We'll go with that. Yeah. Holy <laughs> cow. Well, back to my uh, goals for getting healthy. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, so Josh is a uh, Josh is 34 years old. You and, look uh, sick. And mucho flaco. You 154. I'd be like, dude, we need to go to the. Hospital. I haven't been 150. <laughs> when I was in eighth grade, the football weight limit was 135. 
and my buddies went down and said, we want you on our, t-, you know, we'll go. I said, I'm overweight. I'm overweight. No, we want you there. We want you there. And I was 5'11 at the time. So I was in eighth grade. I was 5'11. I weighed 155 in eighth grade. I remember that event. And I haven't seen 155 till I've been dead and buried for about two years. Yeah. After two years, I will probably be about 155. Your bones weigh yeah, 155. Yeah. yeah. My mom calls me husky. Yeah. So yeah, anyway. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I, I daydream like any other man. I wish I could have been a star quarterback, but at 130 something. No, they were not the let me on the team. No, I, yeah, I was. Is Adam Sandler your hero? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, we're t- hey, it's so fun to have the young guys on the show. We just mess with them, right? And they have to respect us. So we can crush them anyway. No, I'm just kidding, Josh. Hey, Josh is 34 years old. He lives in Portland, Oregon, with his beautiful wife of 14 years, Joanne. She is beautiful. I saw the picture on the book cover. She looks like a very pretty lady, but it was the picture so small. I could just tell she had blue eyes and a nice smile. That's about all I got. Ah, uh, green eyes. See, Jim. see, the picture was too small. So anyway, <laughs> uh, two sons, uh, Christian who is ten, and Alex who is eight. So uh, you've done yeah. a lot of stuff in your thirty-four years. Uh, you've authored a book, which I'm holding in my hands, called "The Son Who Chases the Father," which we'll talk about a little bit uh, this morning. Uh, you're currently a full-time student, finishing his your. Uh, Masters of Divinity degree, and you also have been working as a reserve chaplain in the United States Air Force. Yeah. So for the last 11 years, (laughs) and you're a licensed minister in the Church of God. So it's great to have you on the podcast with us. I love it here. You wrote down your passion and mission in life is to raise your children to be better men than you are and to gauge other men to do the same. And that's what we're all about here. So we're going to get you. I can tell right now this will be a piece of cake for you, but we're going to throw you into our rapid fire round. All right, hey, so are you ready for this? I'm, I'm weapons trained, so okay, I better so be. Okay, so you better lock and load, oh. man. Safety off. Yeah. It is ready to go here. So what we're going to do, for you, I've selected the this or that round. Now, we're doing this so our listeners can understand you a little bit better, uh, kind of how you think, what kind of guy you are. And, uh, and if it doesn't work, they won't listen to you. They'll turn the podcast off, so there's no pressure. So uh, <laughs> I'm going to ask you five questions that are this or that. And I want you to tell me what they are, what the answer is, and I want you to tell me why. All right? Are you ready? Ready. Okay. Now, some of these are fun, and some of these are a little bit more serious. So, This or that. Ready. Coffee or tea? Coffee. <laughs> why? Because my wife loves coffee. I have come to love coffee with her. And I got to say about this, I had actually made a commitment in saying, until I'm 27 years old, I think I can get off just going with natural energy. No coffee. All right. And this was before. And back in the day when I had coffee, it was coffee, half coffee in a cup, and then half coffee, creamer, and sugar. Oh, absolutely. That's yeah. how we do it, right? Yeah. Now, I, I it's am. It's called Dutch a, Brothers today. Dutch, <laughs> yeah. Starbucks. Yeah. Dutch Brothers. Yeah. It goes yeah. by many different yeah, names. Yeah. 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 If you could call it coffee. So, so now, well, we're just glad that you didn't say tea. Why? Because, well, because you're in the United States Air Force, not in the British. Air Force, the Royal Air Force, because they drink tea, and we won that war. And so we don't even have to like coffee. Plus, you are from the Northwest. So if you're in the Northwest, I just bought Shanna for Christmas. I bought her a Nespresso machine, which looks like a Keurig machine. The cups are little teeny mini Keurig carps, and they make espresso shots. Oh, man, they're just awesome. Are they? I'm so wired right now. I could, like, run through a train. You need one in the office <laughs> oh, here. Oh, yeah, baby. You could run <laughs> through, <laughs> through, through <laughs> a train. Like, All right. You're just grabbing your so, nose. Right so you know, I've, got a, I've got an itchy nose. So next one, next mm-hmm. one. And I, I don't want to cause division. <laughs> I don't want to cause national division. Uh, but Air Force or Navy? 
You really have to ask me I that? Just, I just want to have your reason why. <laughs> because it's why the is Air, Air Force, Force better than Navy? The Air Force because it's the Air Force. What you do don't they... need any other reason than that. <laughs> I just think a Navy SEALs are kind of cool. Navy has no. big ships. Yeah. Uh, no, but you, I, but the, the ships are just to carry guys like you on them, though, to fly around and shoot stuff down. So That's right. That's right. No, hey, I love my Navy brothers. They are Those are some real men, and they know how to do water. But I don't do that well in the water. So oh. I wouldn't go Navy, but I respect them. And Air Force-wise, I'll tell you, what I grew up watching Top Gun oh, buddy. and fighter pilots. And, mm. you, hey, I'm sorry, you watch the movies today, 80% at least – of the mm. military that shows up in movies. If you pay attention, mm. hear me, men, it's the Air Force. Those drones are kind of <laughs> awesome. The drones are awesome. And Top Gun, I'm not going to lie, was awesome. Joystick. Ice stick. Man. Ice. Ice. <laughs> Remember that? Ice. <laughs> man. I'm like, my wife just loves the volleyball scene with all their shirts off. I, I think that's gross. But anyway, okay. <laughs> so here we go Portland Trailblazers or Portland Timbers? Portland Trailblazers. I grew up in the Drexler days and the Porter oh, days yeah. and the Rip Robinson City. days. Rip City, baby. Ah. The real Rip City. Yeah, we still got it. And yeah. I hope it comes together again. But grew up watching the Blazers. It's the only time I've gone to the Moda Center now, which was the Rose Garden, to watch the games. And uh, I love I love my Blazers. All right. Well, I didn't even know. They have a girls' soccer team here in Portland. I didn't mm-hmm. even know there was one. Really? I saw something on TV that they won some big championship. I was like, who is this? Oh, we have a girl's soccer team. Oh. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I generally follow sports, so I yeah. wouldn't uh, know about soccer. So, Well, I'll tell you, I got a cousin who is in a women's rugby league. Oh, and no. that's Okay, the that's legit. That's a whole that is level. legit. That's legit. Yeah. That is the absolute. Well, and I'm going to tell you something. Women's soccer and men's soccer are two different sports. They really, really are. The, the men are big flopper sissy boys, and the women are out there crushing each other, getting concussions. I mean, it's when you watch men's soccer versus women's soccer, men's soccer is so frustrating to me. And women's soccer, man, they're just gnarly. I mean, I'm, really, well, I'm impressed. Women's rugby. Yeah. Women's oh athletes. Gosh. Women athletes, are, they're tough. Oh, yeah. They really, yeah. women are tough. They're the real deal when I mean, they get no, out seriously, there. I mean, seriously, I've seen that there's some kind of women's football league, but it looks like it's some kind of fake kind of sexual roller derby thing i don't know, I don't know what Wouldn't that is that. Do you, have you heard it's not of this on thing? netflix i have no idea i don't even know if it's a league so anyway all right here we go here we go here we go getting a little serious here okay uh how would you this or that live a luxurious life or die a heroic death no question die a heroic death and heroic most of all to my children man i want to leave a legacy mm. for them that in the way that i die that my kids could look at me and say you know i want to go a little something like that yeah, that's awesome. I, that's I mean I think that's all about dying well, man. In America, dying well just means kind of dying in a home or, I don't know, man, dying well. I, I wish we had some more. I don't know. Okay, I'm just to stop there. I mean I think that dying a heroic death that's a death to be to m- memorialized by. So. Yeah. Yep. Uh, how about this? So speaking of death, would you rather die by hanging or die by firing squad? Hmm. Firing squad. Yeah. Pretty easy one there because it's sudden, it's quick. You got a lot of bullets going into you. Yeah. With the hanging there, you yeah. might still be thinking about a few things. I wish I could say this. And it's kind of gross to watch. If your kids are watching you hang, <laughs> if your kids right. are watching you hang, yeah, I'm hanging, oh, still uh, hanging. Yeah, yeah. My neck didn't break. Yeah. yeah. yeah no. I mean, it's good to struggle, but to struggle in the moment of death, not so much. No, that's that's really good, man. I pre- yeah, I'm okay with dying. I just don't want to die a slow, painful death. 
I want to buy die heroic, but not slow. not that heroic, <laughs> not that heroic. <laughs> yeah, slow yeah. and painful, right? Yeah. So how about this one? Here, how about this one? And uh, and uh, we all have different wives, but would you rather this or that? Would you would you rather deal with an angry wife that's screaming or an angry wife that's giving the silent treatment? Ooh, Ooh. that is a good question. Hmm. I'm I would have to say based on just the knowledge that I have, even though both would be equally hard, that I would rather deal with an angry, shouting wife. Really? Yes. Interesting. Yes. Now, it's it's hard to dwell with a contentious woman. I've yeah. heard this once. Uh-huh. But when there's no speaking, there's there's no resolution. There's no, there's no happening yeah. chance of healing or restoration. Yeah. And it's like, hey, be angry at me, but can we talk? Because that'll get us to a better point than silence. Usually when they're angry, they're talking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, you're absolutely right. I mean, yeah. our, our marriage is a very loud marriage, and uh, I'm Italian also, <laughs> and she's English. And so uh, we have a loud marriage, and, and, but our marriage is so healthy and so strong in the midst of our di- discussing loudly. Uh, and I and I would, but the, the couples that have silent marriages really, really struggle, because that leads to bitterness and resentment. And so, no, I think that's really good, man. So yeah, and and if I could say one more piece to that, that there is wisdom too in allowing there to be silence. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. if if there is such a tension there where there's just no good to be said, yeah, allow a time mm-hmm. to pass. Let there be some silence. Let there be some thought, and and then go back into it. Well, I think there's some wisdom there. I think there's wisdom in saying, hey, you know what, honey? You know, Hypothetically, I'd be the one saying this. You know you know what, honey? Uh, I know you're really angry right now. I don't want to go off as well. And so I'm going to remove myself until things calm down. Somebody once said this, and I'm not, I am not projecting this upon my wife or anybody else's wife. But when you argue with an idiot, people can't tell the difference. And so if, if two people are arguing, it just looks like a, a war. But if, if one of them steps away from the situation and says, hey, let's calm down. We're going to come back to this. Let's come back after the emotions have settled. I have a phrase, never send an angry email. Hmm. You always yeah. get in trouble. Yeah, no ne- caps lock. No, yeah, no cap. Well, I do that on time, all the time on accident. So I'll have this sentence that says caps lock, and I'll say, sorry about the caps lock. I accidentally hit the button. was too lazy because I can't type. But but uh, never send, never get on some kind of email. Uh, you know, social media thread where where things are getting heated. Social media is a fun place. It's a happy place. Emails, be careful. People can't see your nonverbal. Mm. So we've got to be really, really careful. I have seen a lot of damage done with an emotional email sent without thinking. And I have buried a lot of really awesome emails before sending them. Because a lot of times you have to fix things that you shouldn't have to fix. John or James Dobson founder of Focus on the Family, said, if you are going to forget what you said to that person 30 days later, you probably shouldn't say it in the heat of battle. Hmm. And so often we say things that that we shouldn't say. So that's really, really yeah. good, man. So I agree with you. Good so, wisdom. Good stuff, man. So, hey, I want to talk about your book here. So I read your book, and I mean, I guess my, my thought is it's kind of a memoir. Yeah. It's kind of a book about... Uh, your life, uh, really, I mean, I'd like to sit your dad down and go, how do you feel about this book, Dad? Because uh, you really were vulnerable and open with your dad. I'm hoping that does he know the book exists and is he okay with the book? Yes. Yeah, my dad's still alive. He gave his total, you know, just go for it. Okay. Write it, son. Because you wrote, you really honored him in the book, but some of the things 
that you said about him would not be seen as honorable, although there was a massive change in his life. Now, I skimmed the last couple pages, several pages to get to the to finish it. Did your mom and dad ever get back together? I, I was reading the back part of the book thinking, I think they might have remarried again after divorce. They didn't. Okay, but they there's didn't. some kind of relational restoration there, it seemed like. There was. My dad was, and he would say it himself if he were here, a screwball. He messed up in so many different ways as a father and as a husband. And he did a lot of damage, uh, damage that was not able to be recovered from. And so in later years, there was, it seemed, even a chance for my mom and dad to get back together. But there was so much hurt and pain in that. It just never happened. Uh, I am happy to say now that both of them are remarried, happily remarried, and they have a relationship that more than anything, they at least have the joint mission of just seeing their children do well. Uh, I, I could remember in my childhood that even, thing, even though things exploded, they didn't go well between my mom and dad, that there was always this struggle, struggle of we want to make this happen, this relationship that we, that we should have for the sake of our children. My mom recognized that my dad needed to be in his son's lives mm-hmm. and vice versa. And so you could always, as a child, as, as I, you could, I could sense that. And I'm so grateful being older now that neither of them, though they, their relationship ended in separation, they, they always sought a point of knowing that there was damage in that separation to their children, but they wanted to be as little collateral damage as possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and so they have, a, they have a relationship now. I could easily you know, see them talking to each other and just... Yeah. yeah. So now, I resonated with a book because on my 13th birthday, in fact, this is in my book that I just finished, my parents gave me a divorce for, for my birthday. So I remember that distinctly. And I remember going to bed at night with my parents screaming and my brother in the bed next to me saying, what's going on? What He was a little my little brother. And so you shared something very similar to that on, I think, page 38 or somewhere in there. I really, really impacted me because I go back to my own, what would now be scars, not wounds, but scars. Yeah. And I relate to that. And you had, you had three other brothers, right? Right. Yep. Brandon, Matt, and Jacob. How old are they today? Uh, two older, one younger. Okay, so uh, it, it, you know, I thought it's really interesting. I feel like as I read, when I read books, most books I read, authors start with the really important stuff first, and so uh, your book didn't read that way because kind of it got better as you, the book got better, the story got better as your dad had some epiphanies and stuff. But but you said something in the first page of the book. Uh, I mean, it was the first page of the book you quoted Helen Keller. And I thought it was really interesting that you put this quote in this book as the first quote. And I want to read the quote to you. She said, though the world is full of suffering, it is full also of overcoming it. Why that quote? Of all the quotes you could have picked, talk to me. As a child, I suffered. In my parents' separation and divorce, there was a lot of suffering in that. It led to depression led to a, where a life where I just felt constant neglect. You know, where I said I had two older brothers and one younger. I had these parents who were separated uh, and at odds with one another in my childhood. And in the midst of that, I'm just feeling utterly neglected from, you know, it's like I, everything's breaking up around me. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know what's happening. At six years old, my parents separated. You know, right in that age where oh, I'm trying man. to figure You're things a- out. It's like, okay, mom and dad, they're together, and this is what life is kind of looking like. And it's like, boom, this big bomb exploded and just threw everything across, you know, the atmosphere of what life once was. And there was so much suffering that came out of that. And though there was the suffering that as you go through life, look, every man suffers. Mm-hmm. Every man suffers. But it's a question of what our response will be to that suffering. Mm-hmm. It can either level us and take us out, or we can look at it in the eye and say, man, you are a great foe in my life, this suffering. that I, I, it's, it's, it's horrible. I hate the fact that I have to look you in the eye and address mm-hmm. you in my life. But you know what? I'm a man. And I, I recognize that there's something in me, no matter how small it may feel, that can overcome this. Yeah. You know, and for me, one of the pieces I put in the book is that there, there's this, an ember that goes on. You know, and, and any man who's suffering out there today, man, I get it, brother. We suffer. This is a suffering world. But in this world, we can overcome it. And even if you've got that small piece of ember and be, being able to say inside yourself, I can overcome this. I can beat this. Right? I can be an overcomer. If I could quote Mandiza. <laughs> can I do that on the Man Card Podcast? Is that a singer? Uh, oh, Mandisa. is that a female singer? <laughs> yeah. Go it ahead. Because nobody listens to that station anyway. No. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. But hey, no, brother. <clears throat> hear me. Whatever you may suffer, there is something inside of you that can overcome that suffering. It's just a question of oh, whether or not you're going to say, I'm going to do that it. song before. It's my wife's yeah. favorite song. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. Mandiza? That's Mandiza. Oh, you're an overcomer. Yeah, I right, was not right. going to sing it. Yeah. yeah. No, I just, <laughs> I just I realized my wife's like loves that song. He anyway, can pull okay. It off so well. well, so here's a question, man. Here's a question. <clears throat> I'm sure. gifted. I'm gifted. I'm you gifted. are. Here, so the ember. Let's. Well, first of all. Yeah. Okay, so you were six years old when your mom and dad divorced. Yeah. Separated. Your older brothers were how old? Uh, Matt was nine years old at the time, I believe, and then Brandon was twelve. And your younger brother was three, four years so old. So I'm a, I'm gonna assume based on my own story, he was your youngest brother was probably semi unaffected, but that it really affected the older brothers. How did oh, long term? You guys are all in your 30s and 40s now. Mm-hmm. How did the divorce affect your older brothers or all of the brothers? Or yeah. did it? I, you, I think about that sometimes, because in, in honest, at least is how I feel about it. And sorry, bros, I'm just gonna have to say it. That I feel like the most solid man out of us brothers is is the oldest is Matt, Brandon 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 yeah and Matt is solid too Jacob is solid too and a lot of that has to do with how my mother raised us uh, the change that we saw in our dad in his later years huge but at the same time Brandon at 12 years old for some time in his life he was able to really consciously see what a good man looks like my, my dad was a man uh, in his early years when he you know first married my, ma- my mom that he was doing it right. He was loving his kids. He was loving his family. Really? Uh, he, yeah. And, and I haven't gotten to the point of knowing exactly when everything changes, at, like time-wise at what yeah. point. But what I do know for my oldest brother is he was, for at least a significant portion of his childhood, able to see a real man. Mm. And I believe 
and I could be wrong on this, but I believe that because of his witness of that good man, it made a huge difference in his later life growing up. That's interesting. So here's a, so moving away from your story for this question, what is a, generally speaking, what is a real man to you? What is, what, when you see a man and you go, that's a real man. Yeah. What are you looking for? A servant. I'd put it into one word, a servant. Well, you're a military. You know what the Latin word, you know what the Latin word for servant is? Teach me. In the English, sergeant. I am one. So you're, that's, that word means servant. Isn't that funny? <laughs> that, that is funny. Yeah. I don't live up to my I sergeant that, status I, I at learned times. that from a Marine. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that cool? <laughs> that is sergeant cool. Sergeant means servant from Man, Latin. Yeah. you just blew my mind. Wow. Dude, you're welcome. You're welcome. So, <laughs> Thank hey, you. so I, I want to go back to a couple of things because I, this, this divorce topic, I wasn't expecting this divorce top to be our topic, but your whole book is really about divorce and your dad and how you navigate it through that in a lot of ways. Sure. And uh, I know for me, divorce is a big deal. I mean, to this day, um, I love my dad. He was the best man in my wedding, but there's still a wound. There's still a scar, mm-hmm. not a wound. There's a scar of divorce. Um, the biggest regret of my dad's life, I'm sure he's mentioned it numerous times. Uh, for me, it was probably the biggest wound, one of the biggest wounds of my life at the time. Uh, that's a big deal for me. So how? But you you talked about your dad's change, that you were able to see his change. Yeah. And in the book, you were pretty clear. People say it takes two, and I agree with that. But there's all there's usually one that really is at the greater fault. And in the book, you would probably have said that that was your dad. Mm-hmm. But you said that he changed. And I, I think that there are so many second chances out there. I think that it's never too late to change. And I think that change can bring a lot of healing. But you spoke about your dad's change. And it seems to me that through his change, there was healing that came about in your life. Uh, my question is, was there? And how did that change from your dad really impact you on a soul mm. deep level? Yeah, yeah. Well, you asked me earlier, how would you define a man? And it would be the word servant. Mm-hmm. And my dad was pretty much the opposite of that word up until my 16th birthday. And he was a band in a band. It sounds like he was touring oh. around in the band. That was kind of the deal. He was, kind he of... was the man in the band. He was Re- he was good. Really? He was, was he the lead singer? He was the lead singer. He did Buddy Holly impersonations. He did Elvis Presley. I um, mean, he put on the outfit. He really? Get, the get up. It was, and it was like a comedy show, too. It was like comedy laced with awesome oh, wow. music. And the band performed... I mean, these guys, they he had a band that gelled. What was the name? The Hard Tops. Hard Tops. The Hard Tops. That's awesome. I've never asked him why they called it that either. It's a car. Oh, is it? Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Hard Top versus Soft Top Convertible? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. There Muscle you go. Cars. Muscle cars. Muscle no. cars. Anyway, yeah. so, okay, so how did, how did his change bring about healing for you? Or did it? Oh, man, I'd say the biggest piece... That brought about healing for me was my dad recognized that he had caused a lot of damage in his life. Uh, he he would probably define for himself in saying that he was basically the wrecking ball being swung on the chain from place to place. Don't and sing damage. that song, Dale. Dude, Don't I'm sing it. Fighting it right now. Can I can I ask him to? No, no. no. <laughs> We're just not. Gonna, I'll probably sing it later. We should avoid I'll, singing I'll sing it later here. for him. <laughs> yeah, the change though yeah. in my dad. And when that occurred and saying, I've caused destruction, and now I need to do everything I can to undo that. And my dad intentionally went out and sought the people. I don't know if he wrote down a list like, oh, man, I caused damage here and I caused damage here. I got, But he intentionally went out to where he knew he had brought pain 
Mm. And he went to those people and he just authentically and I, I've never seen sorrow on a man like I saw on my dad at 16 when he sat me in his car and he, he drove me for like 20 minutes and we were sitting in his car and I just remember tears coming down. It's like, I had no idea. He was, he called my mom and said, I need to pick up Josh. That's all he told her. And she said, okay. And he's driving for 20 minutes and he pulls over into this church parking lot and he says nothing at all for about three minutes. But I just, I'm looking at him wondering what is going on? 16 years old. Yeah. This is making me weird, yeah. feel weird. Yeah. What's happening to my dad? Yeah. The divorce has been over 10 years. Yeah. Right. You're 10 years removed from this. Yeah. Yeah. He's been married and divorced already. He's on number three by now. Uh, recently divorced with number two. Okay. That was in the book also. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. And, but he said nothing, but I just watched tears come down his eyes. And I'm like, who is this guy? I thought maybe it, well, it's just kidnapped because this is a dad I've never seen. Yeah. And he looks over at me and he just, he just says, Joshua, I know that I have hurt you and I am sorry for hurting you. I take, I take responsibility for my actions and you have no real reason to forgive me. And I'm not going to force you to forgive me in this moment, but I want you to know that right now I have to ask for your forgiveness because I've messed up. I've been messed up and I want to stop messing up and make wow. things right. It's powerful. And I'll tell you, man, I mean, those words coming out of him, it's, it's everything I had been longing for, for, you know, six, seven, you know, more years. Did you know you were longing for it? No. No. Uh, I, I mean, at that age, you're just... That's the dilemma, right? Yeah. You, yeah. you have no idea. You're just yeah. kind of a lost boy looking for men. What's a man look like? Yeah. And I would say, in all honesty, looking back, that was one of the very first expressions of recall in my own life and saying, there's a man. There's wow. a man. So, so, so your dad, for the first 16 years of your life, we would, we would describe as a male. Sure. But but there was a point where you realized this my father has be, is a man. My father is a man. And there's a how did the line of mm-hmm. what was there a line of delineation in that moment when you decided to that the, the respect changed mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. him? I think it, it, it even though again with what you were saying earlier though I I couldn't see it or perhaps exactly define it as a kid. It was in that moment when he confessed and and just said admitted his brokenness where I said he's being responsible and I'd never seen that before mm-hmm. you know in a real way that you know I mean, we'd come over on weekends and we'd have meals there and we'd talk we'd laugh a bit but he was he was a he played you know he's a guy who loved to play and with his band on the hardtops that was one of the whole things about you know and part of his life that he loved to get up there and perform and play and have fun and and when I saw him in the car, weeping before me, that, man, it was just the responsibility, the responsibility piece where I said, "What? this is different. I've never seen this before, but 
I don't think I've ever seen more of a man in my life. That's awesome. Hey, we're going to come back in just a second. We want to have a short announcement in the middle of this podcast. We'll be right back. The Man Card Podcast is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that is building an army of men in the arena who are becoming the best version of themselves and changing their world. The war to change your world is epic. Every battle counts. Every man in the arena matters. So get in the game by joining our closed Facebook forum for men called The Men in the Arena. There you will lock arms with men from all around the world. This is a great page, guys. Hey, if you want to learn more about becoming the best version of you, go to themancardpodcast.com. Grab a copy of The Field Guide, my bathroom book for men, with 365 daily readings about what a man is and does using famous quotes and epic stories. I wrote this book for men who don't read books. Guys, you're going to love this book. Pick up a copy today following this episode. Thank you again for jumping into the arena with us and championing the greatest battle of our time, the fight to change your world. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. So so we're back here. So Josh, you said that um, your dad <clears throat> owned his responsibility for the divorce and his actions. Yeah. So now you, you conjured up something in my mind. I want to ask you about it. <clears throat> Is there an elephant in the room Every time we're around the family, if a man refuses to take responsibility for, for the wreckage he's caused. Here's an example. In the divorce, your dad caused a lot of wreckage. And you're around your dad all the time. Was there always a subversive or subconscious thought in your brain or in your heart going, my dad caused this, this, this is all because of him? And was there a freedom that was released when he accepted responsibility? Does this make sense? I'm trying to... I, yeah, yeah. A Did, lot of families I, will I, carry this. Yeah. Was I pointing the blame at my dad? Yeah. E even in my childhood is, yeah. is what you're asking. And, right? and yeah. would, it, would that have carried out through the whole life? I mean, does that... Uh, people think that time changes things, and it's really a lie. Yeah. Because when you're walking in unforgiveness, or you're walking in bitterness, or you're walking in, in resentment, uh, or if there's something between a relationship, it doesn't go away. Unless yeah. somebody accepts responsibility for it. Yeah, and I, I would say first, I would not be half the man I am today mm -hmm. if my dad hadn't done that. But with what you're saying to the elephant in the room, and, and hear me on this, man, especially you fathers, okay? When my mom and dad separated, the only thing that I wanted to see was my dad come back. Mm. And in whatever way that could look like. I just wanted him. And I think that that's the heart of every boy that doesn't have their dad, does not have their daddy. It's like where the, the question yeah. that was in me all the time that I could at least recognize is, where is he? Where is he? And it wasn't a blame game. You know, I was too young to even seek that out. Like, well, who's at fault here? Why did this happen? It's just all I knew was it did happen. And all I knew is that I, I wanted it to get fixed. That's, that's mm. it as a boy. And it's like, man, dad, he... He was a he was a hero to me. Yeah. Whether you know it or not, men, you are your child's hero. They you, want you that. They want you to be their hero. Yeah. And then yeah, and then they want you. I'm interrupting here for, but you know what? There's a change that happens. As my kids, I'm the my kids' hero, until they hit about 19, 18, and then what happened is I became this guy that they were very critical of because now the hero they saw the flaws. And I've realized in the last couple years that now it's my turn to make my kids my hero. 
Mm. I need to put them on my shoulders. I need to tell them how awesome they are. Yep. I need to tell my daughters, I don't have daughters, but I'm looking at Dale, how beautiful they are, how worthy they are. You know, you, you made a comment that really, this is really good. I'm, I haven't ever talked about divorce on this show, and I'm the product of divorce. Dale's the product of divorce. Pat's the product of divorce, our, our uh, doctor of sound. It's, you know, 60% now. It's almost up to 60% people are products of divorce. We have a lot of men listen to this, product, this podcast that are products of divorce. Uh, one, two... Two of my six board members have divorced, have been divorced. Three of them, two of them have been divorced. This is a huge problem. So mm-hmm. in the divorce, now I had a brother and a sister. So I was the oldest. So I was in the middle of it. I was 13. They were younger. But here's my question, Josh. And, and you have brothers as well. So you may not be able to speak to this. And you have sons. So I'm going to ask this anyway. Dale may be able to speak to this better. In the divorce with a, with a father who you want to be a hero who has created the majority of the wreckage, you said that you are asking questions. Where is dad? Yeah. What are girls asking? Ew. What are the daughters asking? I, I think they're asking the same question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's that simple. So was it, asking, where, where is he? Now, Eldridge would say that the boys would be asking, where is dad? I need somebody to tell me I'm good enough. I have what it takes. But the women, the young girls are saying, where is dad? Mm-hmm. Who's going to tell me I'm worthy? Who's going to tell yeah. me I'm beautiful? Yeah, and I think the difference there then is what's the need of dad? Mm-hmm. What's the need? What and, is the need? And, there, and there's, it, it's always there. It's always there. And this is, uh, if I could speak to this for a moment, the word priorities is so important. I'll tell you, because when I was a young man, when I was 17 years old, I met Joanne. Marriage was one of the last things I was thinking about. Being a mm-hmm. father was one of the last things I was thinking about. And these things came into my life sooner than I had planned. I got married at 20. Mm-hmm. Christian came into the world when I was 23 years old. And the reason I'm saying this is because when I was 17, my priorities were, you know, just a couple things. Uh, work <laughs> and video games. And making love to Joanne. <laughs> as much as I could, man. Yeah, oh, baby. Yes, Preach yes. it. <laughs> and... But my priorities as a young man were me priorities. Right. But when Joanne stepped into my world and when Christian and Alex came into my world, the priority of, okay, I got to let go of this nail that I put into the ground. Uh, I need to pull it up and say, what's the new priority in this moment right now? I'm a married man. Therefore, what is my priority? Is it the same as when I was 17? No. It's Joanne now. Priority, brother. So you made a comment in your book, which I, I loved it. It was, I've never heard this before. I always try to take a couple of nuggets every book, and this is one of the nuggets I got out of your book. You said, sometimes in life, every man needs a vigorous push. Yes, or a shove. Uh, yeah, well, you said word push. Shove. shove is a better word. Sure. <laughs> Kick in the arse is a better phrase. But you said that, and I, I thought, that is so true. Because without a vigorous shove, we need the vigorous shove to be to push us from being a male to being a man. Yes. And for you, you were you, your consequences were that shove. You realize I've got a wife, I've got kids. You were able to transition and shove yourself into that category. Yep. But sometimes, and you talked about priorities. I would call them. I don't like the word priorities. They, just because for me, I can't see it, but what I can see is I can see routines, and I can see rhythms. I can see things that happen regularly in my life, 
And then I realize those are those are the priorities I'm working towards. And mm-hmm. so, what are some of the priorities and rhythms that you set when you were you became a man, when you became a father? Yeah, be there, be there. <laughs> it's pretty I, simple, right? When you're there, be there. <laughs> it's pretty simple, right? Be there, be square, baby. If you want to go back to your high school days, wherever. You, yeah, happy days. Yeah, thanks, thanks. The Fonz. Hey, hey my my wife is related to the Fonz. To uh, Winkler, Henry Winkler, Henry, she is. Her maiden name is Winkler. Oh, that's oh, funny. Wow. That's yeah. really funny. I, yeah. Well, you <laughs> know, it's funny. He was the coolest guy ever. I mean, uh, when you watch Happy Days, he was so cool. And every movie since, he's like a, the nerdy guy. Yeah. yeah. I never it thought about so that. It was so counterintuitive for me. I'm like, you've been co- in the Fonz. You were the coolest guy ever, and now you're this nerdy wimpy guy. Yeah. He plays yeah. the nerdy wimpy guy in everything except for Happy Days. Yeah, yeah. So wow. I still see him jumping sharks in a leather jacket. This so is the care. second time, Jim. Mind blown. Mind blown. I mean, yeah. I, hey, I have that effect on people, dude. Hey, so here's a question, man. Sure. So, so we call our men in the arena the the guys that follow our movement, the guys that jump in with us. We call them our men in the arena. These are really guys mostly that are living in the bubble. They're living in the stress bubble of life. They've kind of cruised along, but then when you get married, that that line that you're moving down, it becomes this bubble. And you live in this constant state of stress. Now, many of our guys uh, have experienced and shared with us that they've exploded during the bubble. Mm. They just they couldn't take the pressure. They exploded. Uh, there was a divorce. There was something massive, moral failure, something. Or some guys implode. They just kind of collapse under the pressure. Uh, they pick up the the remote and just sit by the TV and watch TV or play with the remote control or they become slothful. Uh, they just kind of implode. And so many, many guys go through that. That yep. It's unbelievable how many guys. But when they jump in the arena and they start really f- trying to thrive in the bubble, they ask this question, what, what do I do now? I've created wreckage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've created wreckage. I've been lazy. I haven't created rhythms or priorities yep. to engage with my kids. Help me. What do I do? Yeah. What do you tell them? Find some repairs, brother. Find some repairs. And what I mean by that is, you know, I love kind of how you're talking about this stress bubble. And when I think of the Bible bubble as you're saying that, I'm, I'm thinking isolation is one of the first words. Yeah, you know, that's uh, really good. A yes. lot of the times when this stress bubble is growing and growing, we're, we're much of the time the only ones breathing into it. <laughs> yeah. And what we need to do is we need to invite people, the right people, into that bubble to start bringing repair where damage has occurred. And I'll tell you, man, that uh, one significant repair in my own life, you know, we've been talking about my dad and how, you know, his change, that brought repair into my life. My mom's prayers and her faithfulness and her love in my life, that brought repairs. But I'll tell you, one of the greatest things that ever brought repair into my own life, because I was a prideful man, Jim. At 17, because I had my focus on career and wanted to do something big, was because yeah, I wanted to be a quarterback, like I said earlier. Yeah, 152 pounds, I could be a quarterback in the NFL, no sweat. And, you know, I started creating this isolated dream of who could I become on my own? Well, I'll tell you what, when I married Joanne, somebody came into my life. And it is my duty and responsibility to invite her into my bubble and say, it's here, babe. Yeah. I'm sorry that it's here. I wish the stress and the suffering and the hard that it wasn't there. I want us to just have a good life together. Yeah. But a part of that good life is... Me being able to invite you into my stress bubble so that we can work on this together. Because I cannot do this. I should not do this alone. She is, your wife is the most important person on the planet, 
more important than your kids. I'll say that to the day I die. She is the only one in the bubble with you. Yes. Now the kids are with you. Who is fully engaged in the finances, is fully engaged in your mental life, your physical life, your spiritual life, your social life. She's the only one fully engaged with you. She knows everything about you. And for for you hit the nail on the head, man. A man must pull his wife into the bubble first. She's got to be in the bubble. I, I can't. Yeah. I just got a Facebook message today, personal message this morning. A couple I married years ago, and she's just saying we are not even. We're so far apart right now. We don't know what to do, Jim. We're so far apart. And my first thing is, we'll get close together. She said we yeah. haven't had a date night. This is a in a personal. Night. We haven't had a date night in a year. Well, have a date night. Yep. Sleep yep. in the same bed. Yeah. Yep. Hold hands. Spoon. I mean, <laughs> do the finances together. Do stuff. Do stuff that now. Whenever I say spoon, people look at me. Yeah, why not? Spooning is not sex. Well, forking comes after spooning. (laughs) Oh, Oh, that's that's, wisdom. That's hey, I blew your mind again. You blew three times. (laughs) If you want a fork, you've got a spoon. (laughs) Oh man, I'm so glad this is a man podcast. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, and there'll be no knives in your marriage if you do it right. No, because there won't be a wedge if you're spooning and forking. Oh man, we should write a book called Utensils Marriage with Utensils. Anyway, so hey, but here's something here though. (laughs) Uh, you know, you here. You got me going here. I'm really fired up. Uh, you've you've talked about something with your dad. Yeah, yeah. And that I have experience with my own sons. And if I, my sons are 19, 21, and 23, soon to be 20, 20, very soon, 22. Uh, what is it? 20, 22, and 24. Very, very soon. And one of the things I've realized with my sons where I have failed them is my sons saw the hero. Mm. I've been a great hero to my sons. In fact, what my oldest son says, I'm a very hard act to follow <laughs> as a son. And so I feel like I failed him there. So I'm, I'm trying to mm. put him on my shoulders. But he's actually running a campaign for a guy running for office in your old neck of the woods, the Gresham area. But it's really interesting being the hero there's a detachment of emotion. Superman doesn't cry. Batman doesn't feel pain. You know, and so one of the things I failed my sons in is showing my emotions to them as a father. Mm-hmm. And if I could say anything to a guy your age, I'd say show emotions because it sounds like your dad did that with you and that was a, a line of demarcation in your relationship that day in the church parking lot when he pulled over and, and, and wept. Yeah, when it finally happened, it was like, man, just this whole chasm (laughs) opened wide that, you know, just had been closed off for so, so long. And my dad, when when I saw him weep, you know, 16 years old is when it happened for my own life. Yeah. And uh, I'd never seen that before uh, in a man. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, too. That's your struggle is my struggle, too, Jim, where sometimes I wish I'd be showing a little more emotion to my kids and even asking the question of what does that look like? How do I do that? Well, we're too busy and, telling them do it this way because I said so. We're in the, you're in the bubble, man. So you're you're talking. You're it's more about rules than relationships sometimes. Yeah. In raising children, but at some point it comes into relationships in the teen years. But then after the teen years, your your adult children they are now deciding whether they want to have a relationship with you. Yeah. Well, and you got to make it about relationship and law. Yes. Okay. It can, it it doesn't have to be. If or either, or it, it can be both. These Absolutely. two can gel together. And especially, I was watching uh, The Flash last night with uh, with Joanne, and one of the things that was said on that uh, on the show was 
uh, a dad was like almost in a crisis mode with his son, didn't know how to operate around because he'd never seen his son. And he didn't know how to correct him. He didn't want to bring any law into his life. And his daughter said to him, she said, you know, one of the best dads you were for me was a man of the law that in loving correction, you showed me to go the right way. You know, I'm not quoting the show, but basically that was the, the sense of it. And, and I want to say, too, with this relationship piece, hey, look, man, my kids love Legos. They love Legos. They love Minecraft. They love to run outside and play. They love it when I go outside with them and start up imagination games, mm-hmm. you know, with their friends. I just get into, I get into their bubble. I'm invited into it already. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it's it, I don't have even have to work for that. They want it. Yeah. And it's like, man, am I going to am I going to capitalize on this opportunity that I that I have because it's like if I want to speak into my children's lives later, I better be willing to do it right now and mm-hmm. in profound ways where they're able to put like a good marking on me so to say. Cuz someday they're going to be 16, 18 years old and they're going to be judging me. Yeah. And they should. They should. And in that judgment, they're going to ask, where was dad? Was dad there? And if I was there then, it's very, very likely they're going to let me be there now. Well, Josh McDowell wrote a book years ago, and in that book he said, he wrote written several books, but in this one book on parenting, he said, rules without relationship equal rebellion. And, and, I, and, and when we're talking about divorce, the, your dad was the parent who left. You lived with mom. Yes. Up until a certain point, right? Because I know you went yep. and lived with your dad for a little bit. Yeah. Uh, we lived with our mom as well, just by default, because dad left. We were going to stay where we were going to stay, and the parent who left, we stayed with the other parent, which was my mom. Divorce really hamstrings the relational component. Because that parent who moves away, most oftentimes the father is now forced into a strained relationship because he's not there all the time. Does this make sense? Yeah, I'm tracking with you. I'll you know, keep, yeah, keep going, though. So, so what does a man do when, when there's a divorce? How does he handle his raising his children now? Because now he's not in the home. Uh, my mom got remarried within two years, so now there's another guy in the home. What does a man, how does a man navigate around that with his children? That's tough. That's tough. I mean, did your, your sounds like your dad kind of came into the picture because you were longing yeah. for him and inviting him to be in there. Yeah. yeah. And you talked about him being absent yeah. over and over and over again, but there came a point where he was finally there. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll tell you, let, let me speak to that here from my dad's experience. You know, he's, uh, he allowed me to write that book and allowed me to speak about his own life and the things that I learned out of it. And one of his greatest regrets of regrets is that he was not there as much as he should have mm-hmm. been in our childhood. And that was a, that was a choice for him. That was a choice. Mm-hmm. And so what That's I would true. say to other men who are, who are listening to this right now, I would ask them is, what, what is the choice that you can make? If you have an opportunity to be in your children's lives, what is stopping you mm-hmm. other than you? You've you got to be there. You can't set an example without your presence in that place. And look, your relationship may have ended up in divorce. It might have exploded. And you may even be in a relationship with a, with a woman because you, you, there's connection between you and these children now that you say, I don't want to have any part of. But brother, your children need you. Yes. Your children need you. And I could not underline and italicize that word need hmm. enough. And they, what, what do they need? 
it, it's simple, man. If you just step into it, they, they need your love. They need your acceptance. They, they need your presence in their lives. Those are three so easy things to give, even as a man. You don't need anything. You know, you don't need a degree to know how to love. Totally. Yeah, it's, you, yeah. you can do that. It's in your heart, man. Well, you got to step yeah, into that's it. that's so good, man. That's so, you, you know, you had talked about in your book, you said you knew your dad loved you but sucked at it. That's a page 36. <laughs> you also said that yeah. he was often absent, even when the weekends when he was supposed to have you guys. And, you, and I was thinking, well, can you love and not show it? You know, is this possible? Uh, you know, mm. I, to, the issue with divorce, it's like a death. A death in the family happens. And yeah. one of your parents, the relationship is dead. Uh, it's And I'll be honest with you, divorce may be the most tragic event to happen in a family, the most catastrophic event. There can be an adulterous affair, and you can work through that as a couple, and the family gets wounded. But it, but when there's a death, when there's a divorce, there's a death. And uh, on mm. your in your book on pages 50 and 23... And I've combined a I've combined two quotes because I really thought that was amazing. This is one of my nuggets yeah. from your book. If you want to make it your quote now, no, 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 I, I don't, I'm not smart enough to remember it. So you said this in on page fifty. You said life is surrounded by tragedy, and on page twenty three, you said tragedy is sure to come. But what is birthed out of tragedy is up to the one who bears it. In other words, you just said it. It's a choice. Am I going to be a victim here? Or I'm going to be a victor here. Yeah. How am I going to handle tragedy in life? Going yep. back to your Heller, Helen Keller quote, yep. suffering will come. Tragedy will strike. Uh, how do we handle that? Yeah. This is the, this is the question, yeah. right? Yeah, and I think it, it's the difference between the I can't and I can. We got too many I can't men out there. Mm. And again, I, I get it, brother. There's some hard things to sift through and suffering to go through and some humbling even perhaps that needs to happen in order to get from the I can't to the I can. You know, because going back to those three things, your children need you to love them. They need you to accept them. They just need your presence in their life. Man, if you could just start saying I can to those three things. And I will. And I will. to And, and, and believe in that change that it can actually occur and step into it. Just, just try it. What do you got to lose? Because I can tell you right now, you got a whole heck of a lot to lose right now if you don't try. Okay, here's a quote from you. Here's a quote, not from your book, but it's from a movie. I want to see if you know what it is. There is no try, only do. Who said that? <laughs> I am Yoda. Yes, Yoda. <laughs> Stop. I hate guys that say I'm gonna try. What? 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 You're gonna try yeah. what? Yeah. Yeah. Trying is failure. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna be there for my kids. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna explode in the bubble. I'm gonna thrive in the bubble. I'm gonna love my wife. I'm gonna. I'm gonna develop rhythms and priorities yeah. to love yeah. my kids. You know, because yeah. love is an action. Yep. Yeah, to, we throw the word around love so much. I love you. I love dogs. I love pizza. I love tea. I love kitty cats. I'm talking about Dale right now. He says this. You know, I we say, throw this word love around when love really is a verb. We really. What is that? You're one of your heroes. Is it Bob Goff? Yeah. Wrote a book called Love Does. Love Does. I don't even have to read the book. I've never read the book. I probably should read the book, but it's one of those books I don't ever have to read. I already know what's in the book. Love Does. <laughs> so hey, man, we're out of yeah. time. So it's you get two Italians in the room. We have a great time talking. So I've, I, man, I, but I want to end on one quote, Josh. It's not in your book, but I think that uh, 
It's a, it's a, I read this in a, a book written by John Maxwell years ago. I can't remember the book, but in the book he, wrote, he quotes a poem and it says this. And I think this is very appropriate today for those men who are out there who are navigating through the failure of divorce, the death of divorce. This is a great quote out there for those children of divorce who are trying to find healing for a wound uh, that was caused by a divorce. And here is the quote, and I've quoted this often, and I love this quote. Though you can't go back and make a brand new start, my friend, anyone can start from now and make a brand new end. And so, Josh, thanks for coming on our show, man. It was such a blessing. How can these guys get a hold of your book? Is there a website? Yeah, hey, bros. Um, I would love for you to drop me a line on manwisdoms.com. And uh, what that site is, is just basically has a number of videos on there on asking the question, uh, how can I apply wisdom into my lives? So there's a number of videos on there. I hope you might be able to check out a couple. And after you do, there's a contact on manwisdoms.com site. Uh, shoot, me, shoot me some information. And man, I just, I love to get uh, personal. You know, we've talked a lot about suffering today. And man, if we suffer together, we can suffer through it and, and get through it. Uh-huh. And, and, and I want to say one more p- little piece here. If we could exchange the word try for persevere, mm. we could go very far. I love it. Persevere. Hey, guys, you've been listening to the Man Card Podcast, helping us change the world one man in the arena at a time. As easy as one, two, three, one. Subscribe, share, write a review on this podcast. Two, join the Men in the Arena Facebook forum for men. Three, partner with our resources in becoming the best version of you. Guys, if you have any questions or comments, you can express them on the Men in the Arena closed Facebook forum, or you can contact us through our website or app. We are changing the world with every man in the arena. Join us in the fight. Get in the arena with us. We are about changing men and those they love because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Until next time, feel the wet sand of the arena floor. Hear the deafening crowd sound. See the muddy stains of getting knocked down and getting back up again. Taste the sweetness of dominant victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Grind it out. At the end of the day, guys, be a man. This is Dale Culver, and you've been listening to the Man Card Podcast. Has your man card been challenged today? If you hunger to be the best version of you, then join thousands of men from around the world on our closed Facebook forum called The Men in the Arena. This is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of manhood. Also, make sure you ask about our newest equipping opportunity called The Man Card Weekend with The Men in the Arena. Let us inspire the men of your organization to become the best version of themselves today. And don't forget to purchase a copy of our popular field guide, A Bathroom Book for Men. Jim wrote this book for men who don't read books. It's a daily study of manly words explained with great stories. You will find enough entries to read one a day for an entire year. That's right, 365 daily readings on what a man is and does. Get your own copy at mancardpodcast.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Man Card Podcast. This is Dale Culver signing off. Until next time, join our army and become the best version of you. Get in the arena. Let the world feel the full weight of who you are. Grind it out. Be a man.
What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.